we obviously interpret stories differently, each individual person. But I do think that each story does have a rhythm of some kind, whether anyone sees that or not, it doesn't really matter. When I listen to it, I hear this rhythm that I created. Podcast Junkies, episode 232. Welcome back. I'm Harry Duran, host of Podcast Junkies. Since 2014, conversations with some of the most fantastic, entertaining, and engaging podcast personalities from across the podosphere. Welcome, welcome, new listeners, and welcome back, regular fans and listeners of the show. I truly appreciate you, each and every one of you. You know that I do. In case you missed last week's episode, I had a great conversation on podcast industry-related news with Nick Kwa. He's the creator of the Hot Pod newsletter and also the host of his new show, Servant of the Pod. If you haven't listened to it, it's a really great kickoff for Nick. Interviews with some really interesting podcast personalities, similar to what I do here, and just reaching another section of the podcast universe. And the production value is top-notch. If you haven't listened to our interview, make sure you check it out, podcastjunkies.com forward slash 231. This week, I have the privilege of speaking with Tyler Martin, host of Have a Blessed Gay. It's a weekly spiritual comedy podcast that explores social norms, current events, mental health, religions, and spirituality from an outcast's perspective. We talk about his background in theater, how he got involved in podcasting, and the brand and the platform he's built for the LGBTQ community through his podcast. We discuss early challenges he had to overcome while starting his web series and the podcast, and we cover the amount of preparation and research that goes into each episode and lessons he's learned so far from the guests he has interviewed. I really enjoyed this conversation because we talked about not only the reception the podcast received, but the need for conversations around LGBTQ issues and his own coming out experience. As with all things, this happened at the right time, and I'm grateful for the conversation. If you enjoyed this episode or have enjoyed past episodes and you haven't done it already, I'd love it if you leave a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. This episode is also brought to you by Fullcast. If you're looking for help as a business with your podcast, we offer done-for-you services, coaching and consulting with our done-with-you services, and now we also have the Ultimate Podcast Dojo available. It's a new course and community designed to help you start your own podcast. Additional details at fullcast.co forward slash dojo, D-O-J-O. Stay tuned to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. But for now, let's jump into this conversation with Tyler. So Tyler Martin, host of Have a Blessed Gay, thank you so much for joining us on Podcast Junkies. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to chat with you today. So every regular listener will know that I love the origin stories. And so you actually reached out to me, curious to hear how you heard about the show and and what prompted you to reach out. Yeah, I think probably how a lot of podcasters hear about your show is they are doing research within the podcasting world. And of course, your name comes up, Podcast Junkies comes up. And so just in doing my research surrounding podcasting, I stumbled upon you and the show. And I think it's great. And I think not only for podcasters, because obviously you talk about podcasting, but you just talk about 
anything to do with each individual person, which I think is awesome. There's a lot to gain from your show. And that is how I am here right now. (laughs) And this has happened before because uh, obviously there's no conferences happening. Um, I would go to podcasting conferences and inevitably when you tell people you have a show where you interview other podcasters, everyone's like, well, you should have me on your show. And I'm like, I just met you. I just, I don't know. (laughs) But what's funny sometimes, it just depends on if you catch me at the right time or if I'm just like, oh, that seems interesting. When if it seems like there's someone doing something that, that I haven't seen before or, you know, obviously there's shows in in, a lot of shows in in your genre i think it's just a matter of right place right time and also to the podcaster listening now it's at the end of the day it's it's my show so i'm scratching my own itch so it's just natural curiosity sometimes where i just want to say hey i'm i'm just want to learn more about tyler and the show and how it started so i i it's personally for me there's no other person i have to answer to or, or run it by in terms of senior management when it comes to my show. So I think it's it's helpful sometimes. So, but I'm curious for you, you got started podcasting recently. What was it that gave you the initiative or the motivation to actually reach out? That's a good question. <laughs> you know, in starting the podcasting, it, it is unfortunate right now that we are in a place in the world, I was about to say country, but in the world where we can't socialize as well. And so I think people are starting to be creative of how they are doing that and and how they are connecting with people. And, and I think it probably just came from that, honestly, is I've I've been utilizing social media more as a way to connect with people and to have authentic conversations and reaching out in different ways that I probably wouldn't have otherwise. So although this is a horrible place that we're in right now, I do think there are some positives from it as far as just creatively how we can adapt. And where's home for you? And tell me a little bit about what the impact has been as of this recording. We're mid-August. So we are through what you would call wave 1.52. I don't know what people (laughs) are considering, but where's home and what's been the impact uh, post-COVID? Yeah, so I live in New York right now, and I'm from Texas. So Texas is <laughs> quite the place right now. It is filled with some not smart people, unfortunately, who are not taking this very seriously. So of course, numbers are continuously not great there. But my immediate family is doing well, and that is good. I have known people who have been affected by COVID, but my immediate family has not been. So that is good. And I am feeling very fortunate about that, especially where they are. (laughs) Glad to hear that. Where in New York are you? Manhattan, Washington Heights area. I grew up in Yonkers. Okay. (laughs) Very familiar. Yeah. Born in El Salvador, but grew up in Yonkers. And I lived there most of my life. And I've lived in the city, Upper East Side, uh, East Village, Brooklyn as well. So special place in my heart for New York City. I know Washington Heights very well. It's been challenging to see what the city is going through. I think there's a reinvention coming. I just read an article about how many people are leaving New York City as well. I think New York City is going to look very different in in three to five years. Yeah, I think it's so sad in some ways. And I feel like I had my bout about it in the very beginning when everything stopped because I was in tech week for a show that didn't open and I got sick immediately. And so the first two weeks were awful. (laughs) But then after that, I was able to kind of like come out of it. So I feel like I had my like, 
downward slope right away. So then for the majority of it, I feel like I've kind of been on an odd up ever since then, which has been kind of nice. So let's talk a little bit about the podcast. How long had you been a podcast consumer and you know, how did you, you first get involved? Consuming wise, when podcasting really started becoming popular a few years ago, my partner, I remember I listened to like the very first two episodes of My Favorite Murder when they first came out. Okay. And he really loved My Favorite Murder. And I listened to them. And at the time, it was before we were in New York and or maybe we were about to come to New York. I don't know. But at the time, I was just like, I don't know how this fits my lifestyle. I feel like podcasting is such a lifestyle, <laughs> you know? You listen yeah. to it on the go or while you're working out or whatever. And if you already have a set system, then where do you fit in podcasting, you know? And so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, at first I was like, this is great. I'm glad you love it. It's probably not my thing though. <laughs> and then fast forward time and I was working on a show here in New York and a big portion of the show you stood doing nothing. And a lot of the crew members listened to podcasts. And so I got introduced to podcasting. And during that time, it's the perfect thing because you can't have anything that's loud or distracting. Yeah. And you need something engaging. And so like podcasting is the answer to that. And so I started listening and then quickly found my groove and what I like of podcasting. And, you know, it's great. And now I do listen to it on the go, although I'm not on the go right now because the city's down. But when I was definitely like on the train waiting to buy that $2,000 cup of coffee because it's so damn expensive <laughs> here, you know, all the things while you're listening to some inspirational podcast or a comedy or about murder. <laughs> what type of shows were you drawn to at that time? Yeah, I do love my favorite murder now. I am part of that sensation. I love it so much. But also anything really that is engaging intellectually, that is what I enjoy. I am a person who I don't consume a ton of, like I do watch TV, but I don't consume a lot of it unless I feel like I'm gaining something from it other than entertainment. And I feel like the podcast that I listen to kind of reflect that. Like I, it, a lot of them, like yours, like it is educational alongside being entertainment. And that's kind of what I enjoy. So a lot of definitely a lot of podcasts like that, that I feel like can help me on my journey kind of thing. That's good. So then now you're a consumer. And then when does it start to click for you that this is something as a because I, I get the sense that you're a creative as yeah. well. When did you start to think that creating your own show might be something that, that might be something of interest to you? Yeah, so I I'm an actor, I'm a writer, a singer, comedian, all the things. We love hyphens. And I was working on a web series. I wrote, directed, and was in a web series called Don't Suck. It is on YouTube currently. If anyone wants to check it out, do it. But it's a low-budget web series that I started here because I got to the city and I graduated with a musical theater degree. Got to the city in my second week, I booked my first off-Broadway show. And it's like, yes, I am doing what I'm supposed to be yeah. doing here. This is awesome. <laughs> and then it quickly kind of hit me that 
I didn't realize how maybe artistically privileged I had been prior to New York. And New York is wonderful for the arts, but it is also very, very driven commercially. So a lot of times artistry takes a backseat to selling a ticket, sadly. And I immediately felt that. And and it became this weird thing of like, okay, I am doing what I thought I wanted to do, but it's not fulfilling like I thought it was going to be. So what do I do? And that continued. I got in. So I was in that show for a year. I got in my second off-Broadway show, was in that for a year. And during that show, I started thinking, okay, what if I created my own art? And I fulfilled that part of me. And that is how I kind of created that web series. And it did really well. And I'm so proud of it. We did it with no budget at all. It was a super ambitious web series, especially for a first endeavor like that. And I did all the editing. I, I used Adobe. I love Adobe. And, and that was great. It was a great learning experience. We did the, you know, the festival route. It won awards. And from that, though, within the series, the lead character kind of struggles with their sexual identity and wanting to claim a faith label. It's kind of a small theme in the show, actually, yeah. but it is one that so many people related to. And very early on, I started getting, you know, one message a week about it. And then I started getting a couple a week and then more and more and more. And not just even from the U.S., but from outside of the U.S., people who are living in really unfortunate areas uh, where they are. I think the word struggling is too little of a word. And so it became very clear early on that people really wanted this subject matter being talked about more. And I couldn't find anything that was exactly doing it. There's a ton of like spiritual podcasts out there, right? There are a ton yeah, of religious yeah. podcasts out there. And there are even like a couple very Christian centric gay podcasts out there, actually, but none that were doing it in the way that the web series was doing it, which was taking a more comedic approach to the subject matter, which I think is so beautiful. And I that's how I approach a lot of heavy subject matter and taking that and really expanding on the ideas that started within that web series. And from my own personal journey with religion and spirituality, that was kind of the start. And I've been working on the podcast for actually a while now. And it, of course, had starts and stops and starts and stops, starts yeah. stops. But but here we are. It came out in June. And yeah, it's going really well thus far. What were some of the challenges early on as you were getting started? It seemed like you, you you probably had a good grasp of the tech because of the work you had done on the web series. So was that not as big of a hurdle for you getting started? Definitely not as big. I I do feel fortunate in that way that I use Audition, primarily Adobe Audition, and I didn't use it too much with my web series because you can do a lot in Premiere with audio, but I did know the interface just because of working in Premiere. So there's definitely like a, a learning curve, but I did go in with a slight confidence because I had worked with Adobe already. So that was nice. And yeah, I wasn't too concerned about that. And even graphic design and all the little things that come into play that add up to the big picture, I had 
recently worked on with a web series. So I, I felt adequate in that way to to be able to push myself to do that. So yeah, it, tech-wise, it really wasn't too big of a concern for me. It was more handling the subject matter in the right way. The format is really important to me. I have solo and interview episodes, but specifically the interview episodes, it was really important to me to get a specific flow. I kind of think like creatively, musically almost. And so a lot of my work, even me personally, like as an actor, I think in beats and in rhythms. And so that continues in this work, which I think is really fascinating. But I and so just getting my rhythm down. Can you say a little bit more about that? I think that's interesting. And obviously, you know, new podcasters are always struggling to find their rhythm, to find their flow, to get comfortable doing something that they may not have done before. And so you, because you do have the theater background, I, I think it might be helpful to kind of elaborate on that a little bit, because I, I, I think there's there's some lessons there. Yeah, for sure. Especially with, well, actually, I was going to say especially the interview, but even my solo episodes, I really try to create a beginning, middle, and end to each of them, to really tell a story of some kind. Sometimes that story is not what I go in with, come out with a different story, and actually I think that's really beautiful in its own way. But I really strive to create a story, and within any story, you do have ups and downs, and you have curves and you're dealing with people's real emotions. And I do think coming from a theater and acting background, uh, being able to access emotions like that and, and really call upon that empathy tool that you so develop working as an actor has been really helpful. And yeah, with musically, I just think we obviously interpret stories differently, each individual person. But I do think that each story does have a rhythm of some kind, whether anyone sees that or not, it doesn't really matter. When I listen to it, I hear this rhythm that I created. And, and I think that's really beautiful. And I, I kind of think that I'm still continuing, continuously trying to fine tune that rhythm, but, and it's evolving for sure. I remember the very first two or three interviews I recorded I actually started recording interviews a little over a year ago. I was using Anchor, their studios here in New York, and it was great, actually. But then at that time, Anchor got bought out by Spotify. And so the studios went dark during that time. And then I was out of a studio space. And so I kind of let that pull me down at the time. But I, I think in retrospect, it was good to give it time because I had gone so full force into the podcast and it was kind of nice to take a step back and to reevaluate. Take yeah, a exactly. Just like reevaluate the the rhythm of those interviews and to see what I liked about them, what I didn't like about them, to tweak what I was doing. And so I paused, I gave it a little while because I didn't know when Anchor was going to pop back up or not. And then when it looked like they weren't going to open up anytime soon, I started to work again on the podcast and I listened to it and I was like, oh, wow, I don't love this. <laughs> and so let me change this. So it kind of gave me time to do that. And then, of course, life happens and there's so much going on. So it kept getting put on the back burner. But eventually we get to 2020, which has been one hell of a ride, but that is when it ended up coming out. 
When you started to think about the format, you said you'd do a mix of interviews and do solo. Did you have guests in mind? And did how much planning and prep were you doing for the solos and, and for the guest episodes? Yeah, so a lot of time <laughs> goes into these episodes. It's kind of miraculous. Yeah, it's a lot, especially with the people that I'm interviewing and the subject matter. I do a lot of research beforehand. Sometimes it is about you know, a religion that I don't necessarily know that much about, or it is about a subject matter that I am not knowledgeable enough to ask questions on. And so I always want to make it a good interview from both sides. And so I, I definitely always research a ton. And a lot of times too, I've been doing more, having more guests with book tours. <laughs> so I've been reading their books. And you know, that takes oh, wow. time to read a whole book yeah. and <laughs> take notes on it and then to formulate this whole interview about it. And I have mixed feelings about this. I, I know a lot of people do. I do form my questions out and I send it to them previously. Okay. That changes though. I will say a lot of times we veer off from that, but it does give us a starting point. And I tell my guests ahead of time, that's a lot of it for me. And if they don't want to look at it, then don't look at it and be surprised. And that's totally okay. But if they do want to kind of see where I'm going, then they can look at it if they want to. Yeah, write out everything. And then Obviously, the interview itself is however long, but in the episodes, they tend to be around 30 minutes is what I edit them down to. But we talk, you know, usually around like the hour marker. So I'm cutting like okay. 50% of what I talk to these people about. And again, that's more for just creating stories. So sometimes there's really interesting information that I find interesting in the moment, but I'm like, does this really have anything to do with the story? Probably not. Let's cut this out. Yeah. Or sometimes it's kind of nice because I tend to start talking about people's own personal relationship with religion and spirituality. And that is such a hard-hitting question right away oh, yeah. that it kind of yeah. opens up things very quickly. And so, <laughs> so sometimes I tend to not even actually use that answer, but just use what comes after that answer because they're so much more open after that question. That's interesting. And so that's yeah. kind of neat. But but then the editing process, yeah, it takes me a little while. I usually let it sit for at least a couple of days after the interview. Why why do you do that? I feel like I'm too in it as of that moment. Yeah, and yeah. two, I feel like because I have written something beforehand, I am attached to that storyline. And especially if it didn't go exactly like that storyline, which Almost every interview has not gone yeah, based on that storyline. Everyone's, so, everyone's different. Yeah, Their personalities are exactly. different. And, and so I tend to work better when I release that and not hold on to that. So then I approach this new work, this new hour-long conversation as its own thing and start from there. So then like a day or two later, I'll come back to it and I'll go through and I'll edit as I listen. And I'll take out anything that I don't think is pertains to like the core of whatever the interview is going to be at that moment. And then I sit on that, usually not days, but maybe like a couple hours or so. And then I go back in <laughs> and I listen to that. And then I edit that down. Okay, interesting. Talk to me a little bit about what you've learned because you said you would go in with an idea of what the conversation might be like, and then it changed, especially when you're dealing with such a sensitive subject matter as spirituality, sexuality, and, and even the combination of, of both, and what you've been learning as, as you've started to have conversations with your guests. 
Yeah, I generally know because of researching them, what their labels are and general journeys. But obviously, when you're talking to someone, a lot comes out that you did not know previously. That is really amazing. And that's when questions come out that I did not plan. And that's when we really are having genuine discourse back to back and learning about each other and about their ideas of religion and and spirituality. And yeah, I think it's really wonderful to allow the conversation to go where it wants to go, especially around this subject matter, because it is so loose. Like everyone is so different when it comes to religion and spirituality. And there is not, especially with the guests that I've had, they completely range all over the map. And so each episode is so different because each of the people is so different and their background is is extremely varied from one another. And I think that that is something really neat. And I don't want to ever stop or try to make it anything. And so it is, I call it a spiritual comedy podcast. And I do love having elements of comedy throughout but you know, some people are just not funny, <laughs> you know, and, and they don't want to yeah, be yeah. funny. And, but then you have someone like Rita Brent in my first episode, she's cracking jokes about almost committing suicide, you know? And so you have like these very, very different types of people dealing with these subject matters in their own way. Even a person like the person who came out in my last episode, Todd Brandon Morris, they were shunned after they came out to their family who is their Jehovah's Witnesses. And that happened, you know, when he was a teenager and now he's in his 40s and he is still really struggling with that baggage. Wow. And and so, you know, you have people like that on the other end who are still just trying to like find their way, even though they're doing all these amazing things and doing this incredible activism work, they're still struggling themselves. And so you see different forms of this. And I think that he's a good example because you see this person and I saw this person who had done so much. And so I thought he might be in a slightly different place than he actually is. And I didn't know that and I wouldn't know that unless just talking and listening to him. And and so I think that that's a special thing just to know as a host and then as a person, really, just to listen to people. This episode is brought to you by Podcast Movement. This year's conference is virtual and will be held from October 19th through the 29th. Find out more at virtual.podcastmovement.com. This year, the world's largest conference for podcasters becomes the world's largest virtual online event in podcast history this October 19th through the 29th. There are four main event days spread across two weeks with optional workshops each day in between. Join thousands of podcasters from around the world for over 100 live interactive breakout sessions and workshops, topics and tracks focused on everything from creating your show to monetizing your podcasts, and will appeal to podcasters of all skill levels from brand new to experts. Over 150 virtual exhibitors will be there live to demo their latest podcasting gear, equipment, and services. Podcast Movement invested months into researching the virtual event platforms and has selected one that they feel is the best out there and can't wait for everyone to join them on it this October. Podcast Movement Virtual takes place October 19th through the 29th and tickets start at $119. Visit virtual.podcastmovement.com and if you sign up, use the code PODCASTJUNKIES for the biggest discount that you'll find anywhere. 
And remember, this discount ends soon. Once again, virtual.podcastmovement.com. The conference holds a special place in my heart since it's the very first podcasting conference I intended as a podcaster. And with the exception of the LA event, I've been to every single podcast movement. So excited to see what the team is putting together for October. When the subject or the conversation tends towards a mood that you would probably describe as awkward or challenging, is that something that you pick up on during the conversation? And and if and when that happens, how do you think about managing that during the course of, of the interview? Oh, completely. There have been, I mean, I will say I, I feel fortunate in the way that the majority of my interviews have flowed in some way, whether it's what I wanted or not, they have flowed, but there have been a few, I won't name who they are, but they probably know who they are. It felt awkward at times, for sure. Or they just like didn't answer the questions in the way that I wanted them to answer, you know, like I set it up for them to make this home run. And they were like, (laughs) actually, we're not even playing that sport. So it's, you know, I think that's kind of a fun game. But also it can be very stressful in the moment because you're like, wait, what is this even about anymore? (laughs) Keeps you on your toes. Right? Yeah, Yeah, totally. And so but in those moments, I think just remember that both parties are trying to do their best just to talk like both parties are wanting the best out of this conversation you're wanting a good interview as a podcaster and then the other person obviously wants a good interview they want to sound good and they want a good story so you're both going toward the same thing and i think just remembering that and remembering that you're on the same team is really important just to have in the back of your brain that you're yeah you're working toward the same goal so no matter no matter what you're going to get there together and also just remember yeah it's all magic in the post production yeah what's been the reception from folks that have heard it because you said you know, it was because it, it was driven by what was happening what you're doing with the web series and and then so i imagine there's some of the folks that bled over and became listeners of the podcast but as the as you started to to get the show up and running and have shared it with friends and people have discovered it what's what's been the feedback and reception yeah it's been really interesting and who has been listening and where has been really awesome but a through line that i have received is people just being thankful for conversation happening, period. And I think that that is really cool. And people have talked to me about their coming out experiences. I talk about mine in an episode, episode five, and people have reached out to me and and said how that really helped them and how that has really, you know, aided in how they're approaching their family or whatever. But a major thing has just been and I don't think this is so revolutionary just from where I, my mental state I come from, but it has meant a lot for people to hear that there is a difference between religion and spirituality. Yeah. And I think hearing it and not only hearing it, but seeing it in action with all these wonderful guests who are creating their own awesome, unique spiritual paths that some of them do involve religion and then some of them do not revolve religion at all all and they are still so fulfilled spiritually and i think that that is really amazing just giving people the permission giving people the knowledge that everyone is worthy of spirituality 
and that everyone can have a spiritual journey, I think is really, really cool. I'm so glad to be spreading that message and that people are really beginning their spiritual journeys. I've, I've been told many times of people who have just started since listening to the podcast, and that, that means the world to me. That has been something that I, I feel the most connected and passionate about is just uh, giving people accessibility to spirituality. And no matter where they come from, no matter who they are, that everyone is worthy of a spiritual journey if they so want it. And I think that is something really missing from main world religions, unfortunately, specifically in the U.S. And so I'm very passionate about that. And that has been something really special is getting messages and comments from people who are just starting their spiritual journeys. And they didn't even know that they could, which is just so heartbreaking to me. But I think that's really telling of where we are in the US right now. And I know that even a lot of people who, you know, are super religious, and this is a a kicker for a lot of people, but they're like, oh, wait, yeah, I don't know. Even people who are religious may not be spiritual. Okay, yeah, see that. Why are you going to church? What is the purpose of that church? What are you doing on your own outside of that church? And could you have a spiritual journey without that church? I think those are all really good questions. And I think even some people in talking with me have realized, you know, they may be attending church every week, but are they actually cultivating a strong spiritual relationship? Maybe not. And so that's that's really interesting and fascinating. And I think we're such a culture of go, 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 and you do this to be an ideal person. But if you're just following this weird template, then you can't have authentic relationships, and that includes a spiritual relationship. So I think it's really important to break down what religion is, what spirituality is, how they can live together, and how they can live apart as well. What's so interesting is that you're talking about people who, you know, are are coming out or sharing their coming out stories. And sometimes I think we take for granted, you're like, oh, it's 2000, you know, and 20, like, this is not a problem anymore. Like, everyone's free to express their sexuality and, and free to talk about like, their religious preferences. And I think this the past couple of years, <laughs> not to get too political, but it has been a bit of a rude awakening for some folks about the nature of people's preconceived notions in this current climate. And I think people are scared sometimes to talk about things that are important to them because they feel they might be judged or ostracized depending on on what communities they are or not a part of. So I think to your point, the fact that you have a platform where people feel comfortable talking about these sensitive topics is a reminder that we actually need more of these platforms and there's still a lot of work to be done. Oh yeah, in a conversation I had with Daniel Karslake, one of my guests, we talk about this exact thing that people, even within the LGBTQ plus community, when marriage equality came out, people were like, all right, we did it. (laughs) Done. (laughs) Done and done. But there is so much daily, weekly. If you look at even state legislation, there are so many anti-LGBTQ legislation that is an attempt or has been passed. And people are so anti-politics sometimes, I feel like, so they don't even acknowledge that. And then we see also the massive struggles that the trans community is going through. 
And if that doesn't directly affect you, then well, oh well. <laughs> and but it, it should affect us because they are humans and we are all equal on this exactly. earth. And yeah. so I don't think if you know, they are a part of the LGBTQ community, technically. And so until that and all the legislation is taken down, that is directly against the community, then there's so much to be fought for. And even outside with women's equality, you know, we're still I mean, we have a long way to go in a lot of ways. I mean, just because we made progress doesn't mean we're at any ending point. Why is this important for you? I have my own spiritual journey that I am on, you know, and I have been on. I come from a super conservative religious family, and my, my family is oozing with ministers, so much so that when I was a kid, I remember going to my mom one day, I was probably like eight or nine, and I had like almost a coming out experience where I was like, mom... I don't think I want to be a minister when I grow up. <laughs> and I cried. And I just thought that would be the biggest disappointment because everyone around me was a minister. And so so that's the kind of environment I grew up in, specifically Christian, specifically Church of Christ. Yeah. And so from that, when I did come out at 16 as gay, it was no bueno. <laughs> and they <laughs> did not take it so well. Those two years, 16 and 17, 18, before I left, they were awful. They were so, so awful. And because of the religion, I, since I was like 10, because I knew I was gay for a long time. And so since I could really conceive that I thought the church thought it was wrong, which would have been around like nine or 10, I started research at that age, which is kind of baffling to me looking back, but at that age, trying to figure out if homosexuality was a sin or not. And no 10-year-old should be doing that. Wow. That is just so bad. That's so awful to me. But that is the environment that I was in, that I felt like I had to do that. And I was freaked out at that age of burning in hell. And and so that continued. And then I thought I got into a point where I was okay. Then I came out and it was so not okay with my family. And so I stayed in the closet and I continued freaking out about it until I did go to college. And my freshman year, I took a biblical literature class. And within that class, we looked at the Bible, the Christian and Hebrew Bible specifically, as a just piece of literature, not a holy book. And that was really awesome for me at the time because it kind of really validated all the research that I had gathered as a teenager. And I had it in a beautiful package delivered to me at college. And yeah. and it's just stuff that we don't know. You know, that's a, even taking it back to the previous question of being in a religion and not being spiritual. A lot of people in religion, specifically Christianity, just go along with what's told. And they don't actually do the research regarding their religion they don't know how the Bible was created. They don't know why they're even really worshiping. Taking it back to your previous question about religion and spirituality, I think so many people within religion don't know about their religion that they're in. Like Christianity, for example, a lot of Christians, have they read the Bible from cover to cover? 
That's a small percentage, actually. And then, do they know the history of the Bible, how it was constructed? People are just told that it's a holy book. Okay, well, great. But there's history to that holy book. And who wrote it? And and why were different translations handed down? And, you know, it's baffling to a lot of people that homosexuality, the word, was not put into the Bible until 1946. And that has altered religion and the LGBTQ community so intensely. That word being put in the Bible in the 1940s, and that was not That's that crazy. long ago, but people don't know that history. So we, I think it's so important to learn history. So in that class, I got to learn that history, and I made a packet for my parents. The first section, I basically understood at that point that I had been arguing around religion, and it occurred to me, what if I argued through religion? So as using the Bible as my argument completely, I, in the first section, was against homosexuality, against women, against people of color. I was pro-slavery, just all the things that are bad that you can pull from the Bible, basically. And then in the second section, I was pro-homosexuality, pro-women. I used it to promote all the wonderfulness that you can using the Bible to promote love and acceptance and inclusion. And then in the last section was my section, and I told what I believed about spirituality and religion and, and who I am. I gave that to my parents, and later that fall, they switched to a gay-friendly church for me. And that was the start to majorly transformed relationship. And from that and from the work that I've done in my own creative and being able to combine these two, I that is why I do it is I'm just so passionate and helping people. Someone just the other day told me that they had created a packet like that for their parents uh, after hearing my story. And that is so special to me. And I hope to really transform the conversation around religion and spirituality for everyone. What an amazing story. Thank you so much for sharing that, Tyler. That's going to be super inspiring. I'm so glad that you shared that. Thank yeah. you. A couple of questions as we wrap up. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? A lot, actually, because <laughs> I... Okay, so I love Jen Sincero. As stupid as it is, I love her. I love her. She's so uplifting. And I just read for the first time, You Are a Badass at Money and Making Money. <laughs> okay. And... From that, a big through line in the book is the idea of questioning how we think of money, but that also extends to everything else. And so why we are in routines that we're in, why we think what we think. And it really hit me actually, okay, this is a good example. So two days ago, I was stretching after working out. I always stretch after I work out every day. And literally almost every day, I'm like, Ugh, Tyler, you're so not flexible. And I say that to myself <laughs> in my head, but I still do it every day anyway. And that day, like a couple of days ago, I was stretching and I literally said it out loud. I was like, Tyler, like, damn, come on, be more flexible. And then it hit me because of just reading that book. Okay, you need to calm down and talk to yourself nicer. Like, yeah. wow, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Of course, you're not flexible. Words have power. Yeah, like, of course, you're not flexible because you're telling yourself you're not flexible. And if you believe you're flexible, then you're going to stretch in a different way and you will become more flexible. And so from that, I'm doing that in a lot of aspects of my life. But yeah, I think that's a great example. So now I am 
the most flexible person that I know. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> That's so interesting. I daily meditation and I do intentions every every day too. And so I've been building it for years and it's pretty powerful because it's the more you add to it from various teachers or things that you're learning. One of the things that I learned early on was the power of, I have intentions about abundance and expansion. So I, I read those and I'm actually scrolling to, there's a section in, in it where I actually talk, because your body has an intelligence. And I think a lot of people like don't realize that. And then, I, so I, one of the lines I say here is, my body, I speak to you as an intelligence and I speak to you with love. I'm in charge of our God's sovereign freedom and nothing will compromise this. I will take care of you with all of my heart. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. And then I say, I now lovingly command my brain and central nervous system. I accept only messages that are truthful and organic to my highest consciousness in Christ. I accept only messages that support my higher good and divine blueprint in God's sovereign freedom. I permit only that which supports my highest good and divine sovereign purpose to serve my God self. I eliminate all messages that are inorganic or, or or harmful artificial intelligence now any inorganic intrusive or artificial artificial messages scripts or impulses are evicted and forbidden now and i nourish my body with cosmic energy each and every moment oh, and the church said amen that, that is so great <laughs> i think we kind of forget sometimes like self-help i think gets a bad rep yeah. but if we are part of the universe and if we are created by something, whatever you believe in, then I think one of the highest forms of worship is to be good to ourselves, because we are a part yeah. of that. And you wouldn't scoff at a creator's creation if you wanted to worship that creator. And so yeah, treat yourself well, because in treating yourself well, you're going to be treating whatever you believe in well. And I, 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 yeah, I love that. I love doing that every day. That's amazing. <laughs> So awesome. What's the most misunderstood thing about you? Oh, this is, oh my gosh, this is so tough. Okay. A lot of people think that I am gay and no, wait, I am. That one's real. Okay. Um, <laughs> let me think. Um, <laughs> okay. So actually this one is interesting. So I, I do have a tendency to really throw myself into projects Yeah. and I think people see that and think that I am just bitten out confidence <laughs> and that I do that with ease. But just kind of like we were talking about and talking well to ourselves, like I am really trying to do that daily. And when I do spit out some type of project and it looks <laughs> like it is filled with confidence, it is, but it has been worked on quite a bit. I feel like that is something coming from the religion that I was in. We were taught to question everything that we do. And I was told to be silent and to not question and to not push the envelope. And unfortunately, I feel like that is so ingrained in me that I do that with everything. So it takes effort to be outwardly creative, to even like posting a stupid Facebook post, I like read it like 20 times before I post it because I'm so self-conscious or I'm like, what if people think this? What if people think this? Or, you know, like, <laughs> and so even like yeah. something so mundane and stupid, it takes a lot of effort for me. And that's an ongoing process. So, but I think it is something good to know is you don't have to be just filled with confidence to do something. You just have to be able to 
talk yourself into the confidence to do that. Yeah. But you can start from the ground. You don't have to just start in the sky. Where's the best place for folks to track you down and, and uh, learn about you and the show? Yeah, I am definitely an Instagram person myself. So you can find my personal, it's at Tyler Isaac Martin. No one knows how to spell Isaac. It's with two A's, <laughs> I-S-A-A-C. Yep. So at Tyler Isaac Martin there. And then the show is on all platforms at Have a Blessed Gay. So that one's super duper easy. We're on all major podcasting platforms. So definitely have a listen. And I love hearing from people. So definitely email. It's at it's yeah. have a blessed gay at gmail.com. The website have a blessed gay.com. So it's definitely uh I got that. I got yeah, that handle so on awesome. everything. So yeah. So definitely though reach out to me. Tell me about your spiritual journey, what you think of the show. And yeah, thank you so much though for having me on. This was so wonderful. Yeah, likewise, Tyler. Thanks again. We'll have all those links in the show notes. And I love just from a branding perspective, it's something we talk about with clients as well, just saying, make sure you grab that one branding URL. So, And to your point that you were able to do it not only for the domain, but also all the socials, which makes uh, people building up the brand itself. I mean, I, I don't want to like get ahead of myself, but I see it's such a powerful brand. And because of the experience that you have, I see an opportunity for you to kind of like turn this into something bigger, like a bigger platform and maybe even moving the conversations to the web as well and, and, and doing a you know interview style show that's video based and excited to see where your journey takes you. Yeah, there's so many ideas I have. I will say one quick more thing that I, I do have yeah. coming that I am excited about to look out for. So on the website, a vertical okay. called the B word, the B stands for blessed mm -hmm. <laughs> and... <laughs> Basically, it is going to be a place where people can share openly their ideas, their questions, and their their thoughts, their stories around religion and spirituality. It's really exciting. I have some amazing people lined up with articles to launch it. And so definitely check that out. And if you are interested in even submitting a piece for it, that is something that you can definitely reach out to me about as well. But I definitely want, yeah, to create a space for people to be able to be their authentic selves. So yeah. So, so awesome. And way to put a nice bow on this conversation. Thank you. Thank you again, Tyler. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast talking with you. So thanks again to Tyler for sharing his story. I really appreciate what he's done to get his podcast off the ground and the community that he's supporting with his show. Once again, if you enjoyed this episode or past episodes, please leave us a rating and review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. Special thanks to our sponsor. Podcast Movement Virtual takes place October 19th through the 29th. Visit virtual.podcastmovement.com and if you sign up, use the code podcastjunkies for the biggest discount that you'll find anywhere. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Check out his full line of music at cedarsoil.com. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. If your company would like to understand how a podcast can help you build your brand, sign up for a free consultation call at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15. Make sure you tune in next week for my conversation with the gregarious and fun Andy Foote, host of Footnotes podcast. Andy and I connected via LinkedIn, and he is one of the premier LinkedIn networking experts. And there's a lot of tips that you'll get from that episode about how to improve your presence there. If you made it this far, no doubt you're listening for the retention hashtag. Let's go with Blessed Tyler, B-L-E-S-S-E-D-T-Y-L-E-R, and you can tag 
me at podcast underscore junkies and Tyler at have a blessed gay on Twitter. And on behalf of Isla's squeaky toy, thanks for everything you do to support the show. Have a great day.